All right, thanks, Matt. As Husker's getting ready to come out of the tunnel, and as we're joined now with Coach Frost, Coach, huge turn there at the, at the turn of the half. Alex Davis gets the big pick. How big was that for just Luke, but not just Luke, but the offense to get a little jolt there at the break? It was big, but we can't be so dumbass, stupid early on in the game. We're, we're missing blocks and fumbling and giving them points. We can't get lined up on fourth and one on the ball. This game probably shouldn't be close. We can't do that stuff. I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of our defense coming out and giving up touchdowns on the first drive of the second half. I'm going to lose my mind if they do here. All right, there's Coach Hot for us at the half as Nebraska leads at 21-16. All right. All right, and that's uh, Scott Frost after at halftime of the 38-31 to uh, Indiana game when Nebraska falls at home to Indiana to drop them to 4-4 four and four on the season and 2-3 and three overall in conference um another tough close heartbreaking loss uh for the for the Cornhuskers this time coming at home to a uh, a team that's going into the game we thought we had a, ch- a good chance of beating but uh, welcome into episode 10 of the Big Red Revival podcast I'm your host Taylor Goldenstein with me as always the coach Drew Burson and the quarterback Zach Ravy now guys uh another another week has come and gone um uh, you know this weekend, me and Drew uh, went down to the games, uh, attended that blur tailgate, had a good old time with our ladies, took the wives out, uh, good old day out without the kids, um, had a good time, except for the, uh, you know, the Huskers uh, outcome. But, uh, you know, it was a great day out, enjoyed the weather, enjoyed uh, getting out and spending some time with the buddies. So, uh, Zach, I know you were out in S- San Diego for a wedding on Friday. Luckily, they were smart enough to do it on Friday instead of Saturday. So shout out to uh, your sister-in-law for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you attended a uh, Husker bar down there in San Diego, right? Why don't you tell us a little yeah. about what was going on down there? Yeah, I uh, did a little research ahead of time, uh, found a place called the Duck Dive. Um, I wasn't really sure, you know, what, what kind of Husker bar would be. You know, sometimes they just have these watch places where it's just a regular bar and then some Husker fans get together. But yeah, this was not that. Um, we, we drove by there um, a couple days before Saturday and, uh, they had Husker flags flying right outside, um, right on a main street there. So I knew it might be the real deal. Awesome atmosphere. Um, got there. There was a big inflatable Herbie Husker nice. right inside when you walked in. There's a frost warning. There's uh, banners from national championships all over the place. Yeah, so they're all, all in, in, huh? Yeah, all the waitresses and bartenders had Husker, Husker shirts on. Um, and it was just a really sweet atmosphere to be a part of so so far away from home and really, really good showing. And it was just kind of funny just talking to the waitress that I had there. Um, I kind of asked her how it all goes down in uh, game time. And they t- sure thing, they turn all the TVs onto the Husker game. They play the fight song uh, after touchdowns. And I told her that uh, I was from Lincoln. And she uh, she went ahead and told me that we are her favorite uh, fan, our favorite uh customers that come into that bar nice. um, for a couple different reasons but she said that we we just show up we chill we watch football and this is the thing that struck me is we can handle our booze <laughs> and, I made, and I, I made sure to tell her that we have plenty of practice back home but no it, yeah. was, it, it was an awesome experience uh, aside from the outcome but if you're ever in that area I would highly suggest going there for a game because it's definitely worth it nice 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 now the old duck dive in San Diego uh, you you bet. Know, that's one of the great things about, you know, being a Husker fan is, uh, you know, obviously me and Drew uh, spent a couple of years living down in uh, Phoenix. And I mean, there was at least uh, 16 or 17 dedicated Husker football bars. Um, obviously, our favorite one was uh, the Moon Valley Grill up there in North <laughs> Phoenix. So uh, it's just, you know, you don't you don't see that, you know, everywhere where it's like uh, bars straightly dedicated to uh, college football teams uh, and fan bases. So there's um, more Husker just- ASU bars or U of A bars. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I mean, Phoenix is a transient city, so it's uh, pretty big for Nebraska, Iowa, Penn State, and, of course, Ohio State. So, um, you know, wherever you go throughout the country, you can always find a group of Huskers to uh, that are gathering somewhere to watch a game. So, you know, just one of the many perks, uh, one of the – well, one of the few perks these days of uh, being a Husker <laughs> fan. So, but uh, let's get into the game. I mean, we just heard the uh, – that halftime press or halftime interview from Scott Frost. And um, I don't know about you guys. Um, I, what did you guys take from that, that halftime interview with Zach, would you hear in the halftime interview from him? Well, I heard a lot of passion. I mean, the guy, the guy's clearly frustrated and I don't blame him. You know, when, when we finally get things clicking on offense and then we don't have the defense to back us up there. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to frustrate him. It's going to frustrate 
you know, everyone involved. And the fact that he, he's kind of coming around to, to showing that emotion a little bit right. is, I guess it's a, a good sign because, you know, there's, there's sometimes where you don't feel like anyone involved really cares, but, you know, you can definitely see that, you know, the want is there and, and the, the passion is, you know, that needs to start spreading quickly for this thing to turn around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Drew, what did you hear from Scott there? Well, uh, kind of like what Zach was saying, I mean, he was definitely passionate, definitely frustrated. Um, I mean, I know some, some parts of Husker Nation are going to be offended by the language he used. And stuff. Oh, boy. Yes. All right. I personally was not offended. <laughs> uh, I'm a coach myself. And plus, I mean, when are you going to give your most level-headed interview on a frustrating team that can't get it right? I mean, I don't yeah. think going unprepared just off the, out of the blue, like, okay, let me answer some questions. Yeah. He might not be your most refined self, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, he obviously was so frustrated. He couldn't even get his cussing right. I mean, he was just like, uh, d- uh, dumb, <laughs> dumbass, stupid. Uh, you know, it's like, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that was the consensus through most of Husker Nation that heard that interview. Um, that was the radio version or, uh, on the radio. Um, so I missed that until, uh, I think, Monday or so I heard it. And for me, I think I kind of had the uh, – not necessarily a direct opposite reaction to it, but for me, it just sounded like a guy like at its at his wits end with this team and this the team in this program right now. It just, I mean, just the especially the last part of um, you know if the defense comes out and gives up a touchdown on the opening drive after uh, after halftime, I'm gonna lose it. And uh, just, I mean, I I hear him. I mean, I was you know I was sitting there in the, the game and I was. Uh, I was losing it myself. So it was just um, a lot of, a lot of things to unpack in that interview, but um, it's um, I don't know. I feel like it's still for me was still a lot of, uh, you know, he named off all the things that were going wrong on offense and defense. This guy can't get lined up in fourth and one. We got a holding call on this. Uh, we, uh, you know, missed a block here. And it's just, for me, there's still not enough accountability on Frost's end, and it's usually him. He has no problem breaking down uh, what the players did wrong. He points out every single thing that the players have done wrong, and uh, I feel like he, you know, doing a lot of finger pointing and not enough thumb pointing to me. How do you guys – you guys think that he's being held himself accountable, or what do you guys feel about him constantly uh, nitpick – not nitpicking because those are, those are real things, uh, but uh, pointing, pointing out – what the players are doing wrong and uh, refusing to critique the coaches or himself. What do you guys think? I think it was just kind of a, a tale of two sides of the football this week. You know, we, we finally had a really, really good game plan and scheme on the offensive side. We opened the playbook a little bit. We saw some razzle dazzle out of the offense and some, you know, some creative plays out there that were, that were being or ultimately being successful yeah. and getting us yards. But, but then, you know, on the other side, it's like the defense just, you know, again, we're giving up these long third downs and things. And, and yeah, to your point, you know, there, there are some things that, you know, he could probably say to give us shed a little light on what's happening behind the scenes right. and, and where things are going wrong within the coaching staff. But, you know, it's just, it's gotta be so frustrating because we, we can't, we just can't, you know, put all three phases of the game together in one game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just, again, it's just super frustrating. Yeah. Drew. Uh, yeah. I mean, Enough accountability for you, or I mean, uh, I don't know. He, I do see what you're saying. I think, I think he, in real life, I think he does take accountability for it, whether he vocalizes that all the time or not. I go back and forth on whether he should be calling out the players as much as he should. But I, I mean, I rewatched the game, you know, I can't say that he's wrong with what he said. Oh, he's definitely not wrong. No, <laughs> he's definitely not wrong. Um, I just so, feel like, uh, like it's hard for me to not accept that because it's the truth, you know. So I right. guess that's why I'm I'm guess I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, but you know, speaking the truth, it's like uh, you know, he's like, well, we need to get more talent in here, and he's constantly. I mean, how do you feel if you're on the team and he's constantly talking about getting more talent in here, and and you know, once we get some more talent, we don't have enough depth. It's like, how do we not have enough depth? You you have 154 guys on the goddamn team. How do you not have enough depth? Maybe we should stop letting you know, anybody that played high school football in Nebraska walk onto the team just, you know, just because it's a good fucking story. I mean, it's like if you cannot have 154 players on your team and keep complaining about depth and, you know, oh, we need to add more talent. And, you know, I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. This coaching staff's been together for four years. Four years they went – first year they went six and seven, a losing record. 
the uh, second year, their magical year where everything clicked, went 13 and 0. Last year they went four and eight. This year they went four and four. I mean, is you know, let's call a spade a spade. This this is a below average coaching staff. If you you know what's the old saying, you are what your record says you are. Record says three out of four years, these guys are uh, not great. So, you know, why is it that it's, oh, it's the players, it's the players, it's players, but this coaching staff, um, you know, on paper, ain't it. So where where's that at? Where do you, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, well, did you see did you see the article from the Orlando Sentinel today? Yeah, uh, or I don't think I don't think it was released today. But I think it was yesterday, yeah. but um, on Tuesday this week. But yeah, I mean, th- that was that was about as tough to tough to read as I've seen because th- those guys down there um, in Orlando are obviously still very salty about about Frost and staff leaving. And right. I mean, they went ahead and said, you know, he he came into a better better situation off a UCF 0 and 12 team than he came into Nebraska. Right. And, and not, not just based on talent alone, but based on, you know, the want and the drive and the, and, you know, the desire to, to, you know, be a good football player and a good football team. And it's just, I think he's kind of just, you know, having an eye opening experience here where it's like, man, I thought, I didn't think it was this bad. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's tough, it's tough to see. And as much as, you know, we all love frost and, you know, some of the other assistants that we're familiar with, it's, it's getting to a point where, you know, we need to, we need to start seeing some of that, some of that work and some of the, all, all the, you know, all the hype and the words that they're using, you know, week in, week out to start, you know, coming to fruition. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, speaking of things, obviously that article came out from uh, the Orlando, Orlando paper. Um, and then, you know, and then uh, game day, you know, was this past Saturday. It was up at, uh, you know, they usually go to one small small school or whatever uh, for a game day once a season. So they went to the North Dakota state at South Dakota state game and, you know, I'm watching it and then, uh, you know, come to find out uh, we've got some beef with South Dakota state. I mean, I'm seeing the signs in the crowd that saying, you know, we play big 10 competition closer to Nebraska. Uh, You know, I may be from South Dakota, but at least I'm not from Nebraska. It's (laughs) is, is uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska, the most hated team in the country right now. I mean, you've got, we clearly knew Colorado hated us. Okay. They're a rival. We clearly know Iowa hates us. Now South Dakota state hates us. Now Indiana's athletic directors coming out because <laughs> Scott Frost two years ago said that he'd rather play Indiana than Ohio state. Well, fucking no shit. Who won it? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, Scott Frost is rubbing a lot of people wrong. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are happy to see his failures here. Um, you know, <laughs> what do you guys think about, you know, he came in talking a big game, you know, well, you better get us now. Um, or, you know, the big 10 is going to have to adjust to me. The, sorry. The only thing the big 10 adjusting is Nebraska to their homecoming game. So um, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing Nebraska is currently adjusting. So, um, <laughs> Hey, Hey, I'm just, I'm just being honest, you know, so he calls it how you see it. So I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think of how Scott Frost has came off uh, these two years um, you know, he's, he's talked a big game and so far it's, uh, he hasn't been able to walk it. Where do you guys, where do you guys come out on that? Well, you know, I think some of the same grumblings were said about PJ Fleck a year ago. Also, you know, yeah. I give a guy time. I, I will say that I will, I'll be patient. We're going to give him time, but, uh, you know, cause talk is cheap. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but if the results don't happen, then, you know, people are going to be skeptical, but it's still early. He inherited a team that hadn't done squats in three years. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, uh, you do. Uh, Riley's second year, he had a 7-0 and in, in the top 10. Yeah, yeah that uh, was very so, overrated, though. Hey, yeah. overrated or not, I mean, we were overrated at 24th to start the season. Yeah. So, I, I still think that Notre Dame's the most hated school in, in, the, in the country. I, I think you're right. I probably didn't like <laughs> Texas or somebody, but, uh, I mean, just kind of finding out that uh, all these teams that, you know, we I didn't know we had a problem with South Dakota State, Indiana, but, I mean – now these guys are coming out of the – everybody's coming out of the woodwork to kick us in our teeth while we're down. And I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think a lot of that perception, and I hate to say it, but I think a lot of that perception comes from the, the fans we have too. You know, it just gets beaten to death how great our fans are. Right. He in walks the greatest fans in college football, and we have the sellout streak. It's right. Like, that stuff is getting so old to me. It's like – It is. It's great. It doesn't – but what, what advantage does that give us in Memorial Stadium? It gives us about the same advantage that 
warming up Martinez with the starters does and, and not disclosing injuries. It's nothing. We yeah. don't get any advantage from our, our fans in the stadium because we're just not that good. Right. Not to mention, we're not that rac- r- ruckus of a crowd. I mean, no. uh, Memorial Stadium's a pretty tame place. I mean, Drew, me and you were there Saturday. I mean, um, I I don't think at any point in that game was the stadium rocking at any point. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of that has to do with the fucking weak-ass DJ that we have um, at the stadium still playing Jock Jam's uh, 27. So, um, you know, at some point we're going to have to go ahead and, you know, turn on a little – um, you know, music that's came out in the last two to three years um, to, you know, get the, the team fired up, get the, the fans rocking. But, you know, um, Taylor, what if that was the key to all our success is we just change the music and all of a sudden our players turn on the football gene and they're just dominant? Well, well since you, bring, you figured it out. Yeah, that, that you bring that up. So, it, like you said, it's little things. So, um, you know, well, it, I don't know. Is the music a big thing? Well, a big thing this week was, uh, the guys coming out in uh, sweatshirts to practice before uh, the Minnesota game. So it, it all, it's all in cup and scene. It's, you know, it's uh, Scott Frost came out and, you know, said, Oh, the guys came out before the Minnesota game and uh, they're warming up in sweatshirts and uh, uh, hoodies and had their hats and gloves on. What'd you guys think about that whole uh, drama this week of uh, the guys not being tough enough to come out in the cold weather? I think it got blown completely out of proportion. I think it was more of just like an example that he used, and everyone just took that sweatshirt comment and just ran with it. I mean, Barstool Sports even came out with an article about oh, they it. Got like, us, Man, they got us good. No, it's <laughs> like, what? what is this, the slowest news day ever? You have to come out and talk about sweatshirts at Nebraska when you, you're a, you're a sports or a company in New York that can cover all different platforms of sports, and yeah. you got to come after us like that. It's like, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but – Looking back to what our conversation was going in the Minnesota game on how PJ Fleck was was uh, preparing his players for yep. for elements and weather, yep. and you know we thought it was stupid and it was just a big gimmick. Sure but did. Turn turns out that was actually the right move, and that's something you have to do with these players because if you don't practice in in this stuff, they're not going to be ready and they're going to be unprepared, and and we're going to take a big ass L like we did against Minnesota, and now we're getting beat at home by Indiana. Yeah, so I here mean, we are. The you, play little, like you, you play like you practice. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the little things. When you're a struggling team and a very average, mediocre team, it's little things that add up to big things. I mean, you know, like the barstool thing. I mean, that was I saw the headline and it was uh, it said Scott Frost complaining about football. The, his team not uh, are wearing hoodies outside practicing as he wears a hoodie indoors and just <laughs> it's like, God, which is damn it, which is stupid because he's a coach. He's <laughs> yeah. not a player. Like, yeah. He should. He, I mean, it doesn't matter what Frost wears. Yeah. At least he doesn't have a tie and a pullover on like PJ Fleck, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, but I'll tell you this though. I did read the article and it didn't go anywhere beyond that. It was a terrible article. Really. It was like two paragraphs that didn't say anything. So yeah, I wasn't too mad about it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, things, I mean, at to add to the drama after, you know, once uh, when the team's losing um, you know, all the things start to come out and uh, you know, one of the things was that um, they said, you know, Frost came out and of course spilling team, you know, team info about the players again, uh, you know, that Darian Daniels had to come out and get after the team because there's guys goofing around at the hotel before the game. Um, you know, it just, I think it just shows a lack of leadership for this team from the players. I mean, this guy has been here seven months at the university and he's the guy holding people accountable. And then you've got, uh, true true freshman Wandale Robinson coming out, calling out, uh, calling out people after the game saying not everybody's bought in and people aren't doing this and that. I mean, it's, so we've got a guy that's been here for six months and a guy that's been here for eight months and a true freshman calling calling people out and setting the tempo for, for the, for the football team. I mean, where's Mo Berry at? I mean, he came out and said, you know, I see a lot of people uh, calling for changes and that's not going to work here. It's like, bro, <laughs> no, we're calling out you to start leading, you know, and it's just not happening. We're, do you guys, how big a deal do you think the lack of leadership is on this team? Well, it's so, a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge deal. Like if, I mean, it goes back to the word that we use a lot on this podcast. And, you know, if these seniors aren't speaking up and, and, you know, you know, taking ownership of this team, you know, what do we have? You know, it's just a bunch of group, a group of guys that come out and sometimes play football and sometimes don't. And, and right. it doesn't go beyond that. And we're a 500 team. And I mean, we, you know, that's 
that's kind of surprising at this point too, because quite honestly, Illinois would beat us today. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, you can make the argument Nebraska's uh, two plays away from being uh, two and six. Mm-hmm. I mean, one play against Illinois goes wrong. Uh, that's a loss. If they call that pass interference, that was clear as day on uh, Will Honus on Northwestern. They get a 15 yards, and they're in field goal range, and they're hitting a walk-off field goal. So Nebraska is two plays away from being two and six on the season. And then, you know, I mean, at that point, all hell is broken loose. I mean, we're at 500 right now, and, uh, you know, the team's already starting to fracture. You're hearing about fractions uh, between the offense and defense, the younger and older players. Um, You guys played college football. Do you guys were both on offense? Does it feel almost as two separate teams, um, you know, offense and defense, or is you guys try to move as one team? But I don't know how. Tell me about how how it works for offense and defense. You guys feel like two separate teams in college? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, we do because we always go to meetings with all your offensive players. Like everything's all everything you do is groups all offense and because de- you don't have time to do everything as a team. You have your right. team meeting on Sunday. Um, but everything else is done like with your position groups or the whole offense or whatever. So it does feel like two teams, but the longer we played with each other, the more we grew together and the more like the closer everybody was. So like, I could definitely tell the difference because it didn't feel that way. Like when I first, first got there. Well, yeah. And and it's definitely a normal thing for the offense and defense to kind of, you know, clash and, um, and, you know, have, you know, have, have your arguments and have your, you know, little scuffles in practice and stuff. That's normal, but, not in the game, not on the sidelines and things right. like that. You know, you, you know, at, at, at that point, you all have the same jerseys on and you're all, you know, trying to ultimately, you know, come out with a victory in, in that particular game. And so you can't, you can't have that on the sidelines of games. If, if it's in practice, that's a good thing because there's competition there, but anything else it's, it's, it's a, it's a poison. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, speaking of the sidelines, uh, etiquette and, uh, things going on, you, uh, you know, after, um, 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 Williams uh, lined up, didn't line up right. Uh, Mike Williams didn't line up right mm-hmm. on that uh, fourth and one, which led to obviously a five-yard penalty. And, and a missed field goal. And then, uh, you know, taking points off the board because we converted. Just because he wasn't on the line, um, J.D. was uh, JD Spillman was uh, seen, caught on camera, really getting, uh, getting in Mike Williams' ass after, after the play. And then um, you had the uh, roughing the passer on the Dave, one of the Davis twins, Mm-hmm. And uh, fraught, the cameras caught Frost um, getting after the wrong Davis twin, and <laughs> you you can see the Davis twin saying um, it was me, blah blah, blah and pointing at his brother. And then um, you know there's been some rumors floating around that uh, the Davis uh, ninety four told him to fuck off. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I mean you got teammates fighting on the sidelines, and you've got uh, a player, a senior, telling the head coach to fuck off on the sideline. I mean, I just don't know how much more fractured this team and this uh, this program can get right now. I mean, you guys have been on the sidelines. I mean, things get heated in the said, but I mean, I think for me, telling your coach to fuck off, that's you're crossing a line there. You're basically saying like, I'm going to go ahead and uh, not play the rest of today. Yeah, I, 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 it's worth it. I'm going to do this. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Just back after that. Yeah, Zach, what do you think about that? I don't know. I just think that one thing cures all of this and it's just a win. Yep. You know, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's really simple really, but it's not for this team for whatever reason. And, and, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be frustration because, you know, believe it or not, we haven't seen it, but they all are competitors and they, right. they do want to win, but when, when their backs against the wall and they're, you know, dealing with all this, all this adversity, it's, you know, for for some guys that may not be very mature or young or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's it's tough to watch. They're just, they're just not ready to be just like game day warriors. You know, we gotta, we're lacking that. Right. So, you know? I don't, I mean, you know, for me, there's uh, this group of seniors, retro seniors, regular seniors. Um, they've been through a lot, been through a couple coaching <laughs> staffs. They were recruited probably by one coaching staff and they had Riley. Now they're finishing up with Frost. Um I mean, which which one of these upperclassmen, seniors, are you guys ready to just see go? I mean, just, you know, ready to wash your hands of it. Is there anybody that comes to mind just right off the bat? No? Not, not really. I mean, in past years, I could probably name you like three or four guys. But yeah. There's um, not like one – one you know repeat offender that really just pisses me off the davis twins or yeah or uh, 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think the Davis twins, I think I'm ready to, uh, you know, see the end of. And unfortunately, he's honestly, I, he's literally one of my favorite players, but uh, Lamar Jackson, I'm, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm ready to see the end of the Lamar Jackson in Nebraska. And I, yeah. I think he's going to go to the NFL and uh, probably do pretty well. It's just, um, you know, he, he just, uh, you know, it seems to have the same issues that uh, he's had since he was a freshman here. Um, you know, the inability to uh, turn his head and find the ball when the ball's in the air. Um, and unfortunately, it goes for both of our corners. Like these guys, him and Boodle are both in, are never beat deep. They are never, oh, running after a guy down the field. Like, especially Boodle. Boodle is in place every single time. And unfortunately, that guy has zero ball skills because. Do you He's think it's hot, or do you think it's but, or do you think it's just them? I don't know anybody teaching. Don't turn your head when you see a uh, receiver lifting up their hands. I mean, if anybody's <laughs> teaching that, you need to be you need to be fired on the spot. I mean, it's when the <laughs> yeah, ball's it in was, the air it, and it, a, a play's there to be made. A play's not being made. I hear you, dude. And it was so glaring in this game too. Like, what did that that receiver for Indiana had had like fifteen hundred receiving yards on us on Saturday? Yeah, and, number one. Uh, I mean, the guy just completely torched us, and, and so did that uh, Freifogel or whatever guy. I mean, it seemed like they were calling his name every other play, too. And, and yeah, you're right. Like, they were, they were in position most of the time, and they just – the guy just went up over him and made the play. And not to mention Boodle getting completely <laughs> trucked on the last that touchdown of, that Indiana And he didn't had. get up right away. I mean, he, laid, he laid in the end zone for oh, it's like, bro, man, hop that's the fuck the, up, man. Hop the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, like, you're making it look worse. Yeah. He had such a bad game, though. Like, he got burned on the pass all the time. There's the zone read play where he was left with the quarterback. He just sat back, and the quarterback ran into the end zone. Which yeah. also – Well, he, no, he had the guy, like, out there. I agree. Pitch, you know? I agree, but my point is, if, the, if it's like that, take the guy with the quarterback and make him throw it. He might miss. But if you never tackle the quarterback, he's going to run the end zone. On that same play, three guys, both inside backers and the D.N. Nelson, they all attacked the running back and nobody crashed at the quarterback. And so then he was just on his own. I mean, is that scheme or is that them fucking up? I don't know. Yeah. Well, the one thing I liked about that, I am pretty sure it was probably a fuck up on Nelson's part. Um, but the one thing I liked about that was he made the mistake going 100 miles per hour because he went, and clean, 100%. He went and cleaned the clock of the running back, which, yes, like did. I said, if you're going to make a mistake, you make it at 100 miles per hour. And as a true freshman, I can I can accept you making this mistake, but when you do it at 100 miles per hour, I, I, I'm not going to get on you. I'm not going to be upset about it. It, it happens. Um, you missed an assignment. It is what it is. But they, going 100%, you know, really uh, makes up for a lot of that. But – just like that two point conversion too. I mean, th- that uh, that guy that caught the two point conversion for Indiana, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna think twice about catching a ball in traffic for for a couple weeks because of the hit that Garrett Nelson caught. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about the uh, you know the behind the scenes and the things that happened after the game. Um, you know, Saturday, I mean, for the offensively, the first what two possessions couldn't have started off any better. The offense was humming. Uh, Noah Vedral. I uh, got to start again with, uh, you know, Martinez being out uh, after Frost tried to trick everybody at the stadium to uh, think he was playing, you know, because he, he got me. Yeah, I know. Ex- I text you guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but Vedral, you know, um, was doing his thing. He uh, looked, offense came out humming, uh, first two possessions right up and down the field, run, pass. I mean, offense looks good. Um, what'd you guys see, especially in that first half from the offense? I, I saw a game plan. I saw a scheme, and I saw preparation. I mean, yeah, they they had they had two weeks to do it, yeah. I guess. But it's you know, it there was a lot of things clicking. I mean, we got some guys involved. Wandale is just, and this is coming out of left field here, um, but Wandale is just such a stud. Yes. Like he he's doing everything for us. And and going back to what you said, he has every right to speak up and call people out because he's about the only guy balling for us right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you can't respect the one, Dale's our best player on the team. So if the best yeah. player on the team, if you can't respect the best player on the team, you know, calling people out and, you know, trying to set the standard, then, you, you know, one you're you're not a competitor and you don't want to be great because um, when someone's playing like Wandell is, I mean, I don't know how you don't want to just follow the guy and get behind this guy, but um, you know, and then uh, Vedral, you know, got hurt because we're running, you know, 28, uh, you know, QB runs basically every single play. Um, and then uh, the freshman Luke McCaffrey came in and um, 
didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. I mean, he, shit, he might have looked better than Vedral. I mean, um, yeah. you know, Vedral, uh, compared to Martinez, Vedral's looked uh, looked faster and more decisive in the run game. And then um, when McCaffrey came in, he looked even faster than Vedral. I mean, granted, yeah. he looked like he was a buck sixty-five with two bricks in his pocket. But uh, right. two two hundred my ass. yeah two hundred yeah. pounds he lifted that my ass that guy he's one sixty five one seventy but uh, he it's you know awesome. yeah he was one Cade Warner block away from busting out a touchdown too right so um, it was good to see the quarterbacks actually went what twenty one for twenty four um, the highest completion percentage for quarterbacks uh, in Nebraska history so did you get J D Spielman's pass in there um yes that does include jd's uh you know what was that the 41 black flash, flash reverse yep yep the old play from no the, um oklahoma going game. back to yeah going back to luke mccaffrey one side note here before I, I go into this but his brother actually threw his uh first touchdown pass for michigan the same day as yeah, luke Dylan. did so that was that's kind of cool but um don't you guys feel like okay so i've been in this position where i'm coming in as a backup quarterback into mm-hmm. a situation where you know, you're kind of thrust into a, you know, a place where, you know, it's kind of just do or die. And it feels like the coach or the coaching staff will like just simplify things for this, this quarterback coming in and, you know, just run like, you know, little screen passes or, you know, QB runs for a, for a running quarterback. And it worked for Luke. It worked. Yeah. I mean, he was just taking us up and down the field for the whole time he was in. Do we need to just take a step back with our offense and do that for all of our quarterbacks and our offense as a whole? Just, yes, yes. I, I know I what we're trying to do, and eventually we can get there, but at the same time, why don't we just simplify things? You know, just the, the simple QB power runs just up there. You yeah, know, we're sure like working. Just, <laughs> just deception screens, just things like that that are going to be a, Easy a lot easier on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, back to the McCaffrey, I think what, it was a couple games ago. Um, told me all I needed to know about him. It was uh, the game that Martinez went down, so Vedral was in the game, and then Vedral got n- nicked up, or his helmet came off. Yeah. And when you're a third-string quarterback going into the game, one, you're not thinking you're playing. You're not, you know, you're probably maybe, you know, lollygagging a little bit. But uh, as soon as Vedral's helmet came off, he knew the rule, that he had to come off for a play. And before the coach even got a chance to turn around and look for him, he was already in the huddle calling the play. I mean, yep. it just showed me, you know, this guy's football IQ, and he's ready to go. And, you know, from the sound of things, that uh, he's, the, uh, he's the alpha male uh, for the freshman class, you know, even, even uh, over Wandell. I mean, I think it sounds like the freshmen are really looking up to McCaffrey and mm-hmm. how he goes about his business. He's not, a, he's not a, well, you know, my dad did this, my brother's doing that, and this, that, and the third. And he's just a guy that uh, sounds like the younger guys can uh, get behind and follow. So I think it bodes well for things to come in the future. Um, with, you know, with you got Wandell and uh, McCaffrey and, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Nelson there on the defensive <laughs> side. So I think uh, if you wanted to start a, a football team, you know, you'd want uh, a quarterback, running back receiver, and then uh, somebody to get after the passer. So mm-hmm. um, having those three young positions and those guys in them right now getting valuable time, I think bodes well for the future. But, you know, you know, I don't want to start sounding like Scott and, you know, only talking about the future and, you know, <laughs> this, that, and the third. But um, um, I think – I don't know what play you guys think changed the game. Um, obviously, there was the Noah fumble in uh, uh, yeah. the second half. Um, yeah, there was, that was brutal. Uh, and I mean the Cal – the Cal Noah. The, the oh, yeah. Right. Um, or there's the Noah Vedral fumble. Uh, when we were about to go up, uh, what, 21 to 9? Yeah. Um, or or was it Mike Williams lining up uh, incorrectly where uh, cost us seven points? Um, which which one of those did you guys think was the the play that kind of changed the dynamic of the game? For me, it was the Noah fumble. I mean, that was just way more crushing. It was later in the game. We needed it. We were moving the ball, and uh, it just kind of killed all our momentum. You know? Yeah. What, Zach. Yeah. I mean that that was my kind of first impression or first first pick for for this unfortunate category, but. Um, I, I actually want to take it back to a play right before the Noah Vedra federal fumble where they yeah. returned it. Um, quick shout out to Vedral for running that guy down. Um, yes. He must've been listening to our podcast and got his, uh, <laughs> got his motivation from Drew's story right. last week. But, um, it was actually the, the, um, the play before that where, uh, Vedral faked a, a, a QB power run mm-hmm. and he had Mills running wide open down the sideline. 
on kind of like a, a little wheel route. Yeah. And Vedral ended up just tucking it and running. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was just trying to get some yards. But if you go back and look at that play, he had uh, Mills running wide open down the sideline. It was like at the 25-yard line. <sighs> at that point, we could go up 21-9 and potentially just break it back open. And, and you know, I know that was early. And obviously, the Noah fumble is going to be kind of the, uh, the the favorite choice in this I look at that one and be like, "What could have happened then?" Yeah, I I think um, I think uh, probably it was um, I think it was probably the Noah uh, Vedral fumble. Um, you know, not because it cost us points, but um, you know, then it get returned down to what the six seven seven yard line, and they scored two plays later. So you're talking about a potential fourteen point swing. Um, yep. So I thought I thought that really. Uh, uh, kind of broke the spirit of people. And, you know, I think this team is very mentally weak and something like that happens. I think, uh, fortunately, a lot of the guys start to uh, get into that, oh, no, here we go again type mentality. And, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of showed. And, you know, we talked about how Nebraska came out uh, offensively, um, you know, playing well and humming down the field, play calls. Um, you know, we've talked about how good Scott Frost is uh, putting together a script. Um the things that we think he struggles with would be second half adjustments and coming out of the locker room um, continues to be an issue for this team. Um, being able to come out the second half, make adjustments to what the other team's doing and get getting the guys going. I think we're, uh, the third quarter we have uh, the lowest point total in the big 10. Um, so it's just, I don't know I, that coming out after halftime is just like, you know, uh, your first 10 play script is a sign of your coaching staff. Um, and unfortunately, this coaching staff has been really good putting together a script to start the game and been uh, horrendous coming out after, after halftime. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, in the opening you heard Frost uh, voicing his concerns about, you know, if this defense comes out and gives up another touchdown, I'm going to lose it, you know. Um, what seems to be the issue with the second half adu- adjustments for you guys? I just don't feel like they're making like the right ones or they're not being proactive or not being accurate because to be exact played, I think our defensive coach was really, really good about making second half adjustments and our offensive coach was also pretty good. And we always, I mean, I remember our meetings at halftime, we'd always, you know, we'd have a plan for how we're going to adjust and change and attack what they're doing and stop what they're doing to us. And I guess they're just, I don't know if they're not doing it or if what they're doing isn't working or if the other team has a second half plan independent of their first half plan. It could yeah. be any of those things, but it feels like we don't make great adjustments on the fly. Yeah. And you, and, and you got to wonder what the, what those conversations sound like. Are the coaches owning that conversation and just kind of saying, you know, what they've seen and not really opening it up? Because I know when I, when I was in college and, and we went into halftime that, you know, all the focus was on me and what I saw out there right. and what I think we can do. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, having played a full, full half, you know, I had a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I saw. And, right. See what's and, working. And I saw some holes. Yeah, and, and I don't know, I, and I can't speak to this, you know, really, you know, accurately, but I feel like, you know, maybe the coaches are just trying to own this a little too much instead of, you know, giving the players a little bit of ownership on, on what they want to do in the second half. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, this was – also this was a game coming off a of bye week, so um, we knew Nebraska was going to come out and look a little bit different, and they did, came out and got to a good start. But, uh, you know, during the bye week and the uh, week leading up to the game, we heard a lot. Um, obviously the whole Mo- Maurice Washington situation happened. So it was uh, who's going to step up next. And, you know, we hear like we have been all season about Ramir Johnson. Uh, you know, we expect Ramir Johnson to, you know, get in here and, uh, you know, step up and uh, make some plays for us. And uh, obviously Diedrich Mills is going to uh, get a, a bulk share of the carries. Um, well, Diedrich Mills got uh, eight carries in the first half and uh, didn't touch the ball in the second half. Um, Ramir Johnson, he had a total of, uh, zero plays. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> what what the fuck seems to be the problem about these guys putting this shit out here? And, I mean, how much, how many times do we need to hear them talk about Ramir Johnson? I mean, how many times have we heard his name from the coaching staff? And the guy has three carries on the entire season. And then, you know, after games, the, you get asked about it, you know, from the media. And we just, you know, we kind of got lost in and, you know, we're going with a hot hand. It's like, it just I, – I think that feeds back into the uh, halftime adjustments that these guys are getting so overwhelmed in the game that they're they're just losing their minds. I mean, 
just, I mean, just listen to Scott Frost at halftime. He said he's going to lose his mind. I mean, so it's just <laughs> these guys don't seem poised and they just get off the script and just can't seem to figure it out. I mean, what do you got? What do you see? Obviously, Wandell is playing well, but I mean, he plays well at running back or receiver. So I, I, I wanted to see Dedrick Mills get some more carries. I thought he was providing us with some he, tough he yards. Was, yeah, he was running. He, yeah, I mean, he had a really, really good run on, like, the second play of the game. Yeah. Um, and then he had another good run on, like, this uh, – I don't know if it was the second or third drive. But, yeah, I mean, he was he was getting some tough yards. He was, you know, he was finding holes like he wasn't in, in the beginning of the season. And, you know, it's just like, what what is that going to do to the guy's confidence when he finally gets a shot in a big-time moment? Right. You know, he, he's he's not going to have – he's not going to have that, that experience in the second half because – we never fucking run him in the second half. He just disappears. It just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Right. No, I agree. He was being effective too. He made some big plays. Another area that he was I was really impressed with this last game. Um, on all of our quarterback runs, when he was in, he was blocking. He was a lead blocker. Yeah. yeah. He was a hammer, man. He was smashing people out there. Yeah. And you know the one thing. Um, you know, shout out to our, uh, the guy on Twitter, uh, Chaz in uh, SoCal. He uh, does yeah. a lot of good film breakdown. And I was watching he his does. play in that play where Noah Vedral fumbled. Um, it looks like. Um, uh, Mills had missed his block, um, yeah. which caused that free runner to the quarterback. And, you know, I said, well, I go, well, you know, is that potentially the reason why we didn't see him in the second half? Or, But I, I don't know. I just feel like uh, we get away from guys too soon. Um, you know, we did do a better seven different guys uh, catch a pass on Saturday. So um, I was liking what I was seeing out of the offense. Obviously there was a couple bonehead uh, penalties um, and the turnover, but um, I, I feel more, uh, I don't, I don't know what the exact word is. I feel better about the offense moving on to these final four games of the season. Um, Defensive wise, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I think obviously uh, we played some good run defense, held them under a hundred yards. Or it, or it isn't, was it what it isn't? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's good. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're eight games in the season and unfortunately we've yet to see the offense and defense uh, play well on the same game. Yeah. So um, it's, you know, it's a game of numbers and it's bound to happen. Um, I, I can't wait for it, but uh, hasn't happened yet. Um, we just can't get off the field on third down. I mean, yes, there there were several drives where you know we had them at third and seven, third and eight. Yes, well, and then uh, and then they hit us with the slot or the uh, uh, the slant routes or the underneath routes or whatever's going to put our uh, linebackers in a shitty spot. They're yeah. going to do that and they're going to get the first down. I yeah. Feel like, though, one thing that really just pisses me off about defense has been the same way for the last few years too, not just under Chenander, but. We don't bring enough pressure. I know they're like, oh, we don't want to blitz. Or like, dude, the Patriots, they bring the zero blitz where they have nobody over the top, just man-to-man, but they're going to bring more rushers than you have blockers. The quarterback's going to have to step up and take that shot and hopefully get it out on time, or the pass is going to be incomplete. Yes. Like, we're, not, we're not good enough to not do it that way. Like, yeah. I don't care. We don't need a safety over the top. We need to bring everybody except for the guys man up, and then our shitty linebackers and coverage aren't exposed as much because you got pressure on the quarterback. There's no other way to do it. Yeah. Back defense, I – a couple of these because obviously um, outside of turnover, third down conversion for me is the in football. Can you stay on offense and off the field? And uh, so I charted the uh, Nebraska's third down defense. Um, they um, uh, Indiana converted nine out of 16. So over 50%, not great. Um, and here's third downs. Uh, Indiana had third and six, uh, 30 or 22 yard pass. Uh, again, a third and six. They got a five-yard pass, went for it on fourth down, and then converted a 23-yard pass. They had third and one, 16-yard run, third and eight, 19-yard pass, third and 12, 23-yard pass, third and seven, incomplete pass, went for it on fourth down, 15-yard pass. Got it. Third and yep. three, third and three, 23-yard pass, third and seven, 11-yard run. I mean, just get off the field. Yeah, to be able to get off the field. And not only did they not get off the field, they're giving up big plays on that. They had yeah. – on third down, Indiana had 167 total yards on 16 plays. That's an average of 10 yards a play on third down. I felt like they caught every single pass they threw deep, every it's, time. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm sitting there yelling in the stadium, turn your fucking head, you know. And, you know, yeah. of course, you know, wonderful Nebraska fans. Oh, there's kids here. It's like, shut the, <laughs> shut the fuck up. God damn it. So, yeah. Uh, These kids will eventually be in here saying the same thing as me. So, just get over it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, 
the third downs killed us, and that's what, uh, for me, won Indiana the game. Um, would yeah. just give me you guys kind of overview of the game and what uh, the whole how it all turned out. Well, Peyton Ramsey had all day to throw in the pocket. Yes. I mean, we don't have we don't we don't have one guy that can that can uh, come off the defensive line and come free and and get a sack. We don't yeah. have one. We don't have one person. What guy on the defensive line is double teamed? None. None. Exactly. None. I mean, and, and what? Uh, and then what's worse is though is that's okay. They can't get a pass rush, and we're not blitzing. So now you're just leaving them out to dry. Right. And then, and then we have five linebackers out there on any given play, and they're about as present as Manti Tao's girlfriend. Yikes. They are non-existent. Yikes. I mean, where are they? Where are they all, all over the place? Like, it's just unreal to me. And then, you know, and then I'm going to – and I'll go to special teams here because we we beat the defense to death here. But yep. our kickoffs, we hmm. tie the game at 24 late in the third quarter, <laughs> and then our kickoff goes out of bounds. Yeah. And we give them great field position. They go down and score, of course. Right. Our punts. They pinned us inside the 10 twice in that game out of yep. three punts. Three punts they, they, they had, two of them pinned inside the 10. We have a guy who fucking kicks it off the side of his foot for a 19-yard punt. <laughs> and sure enough, and sure enough, this punt led to a score. Yeah, Pickering is back. No problem. Missed a field goal. Missed a fucking um, give me. And then although he did have two good returns, we have Wyatt Mazur and Brody Belt back there as our kick returners yep. last week. Two five-foot-eight walk-ons. That's uh, – that's who we're looking to. Uh, you know, run a four either. So I mean, right. I mean, and yeah, and the offense looked fine. I mean, I I'm happy with the offensive performance yeah. overall, especially with with playing our second and third string quarterbacks. You know, we put up 31 points with our second and third string quarterbacks. Right. We should win that game every single time. Yep. Yeah. Um, Drew, I think it. I think you know we start out hot. We had a really good game plan. We had them really schemed up. Um, you know, there's kind of ups and downs in the game. I felt like, you know, we were hot. We had the hot hand for a while. We killed our momentum, turnovers, couldn't get off the field. Um, and it just kind of – that Noah Vedro play just kind of epitomizes where we are as a team, right? Like, Bills right. misses the block. That <laughs> play gets worse. You could just take the tackle for the loss, but you fall down, the ball hits your in the, in the knee weird. Maybe you're trying to throw it, not sure. And then they pick it up and take it almost to the end zone. But yep. we still tackle. You know? Yep. So, uh, so, it's kind of like our season in a nutshell right now and where we are as, like, yeah. as, a, as a team. Yeah, once again, it's the uh, the little things adding up to big things. It's one missed block turned into a 14-point swing in the game. You missed your blocks. Yeah. Guy uh, got the quarterback, quarterback fumbled. Guy picks ball up and runs down the six-yard line, scores two plays later. It's the little things that matter. And, you know, it's just uh, – it's just infuriating, and um, you know, and especially to see uh, some of the same guys uh, continue to make mistakes, mistakes, um, and continue to be out on the field. Um, you know, the the Cal transfer Noah, that guy's that guy's done absolutely nothing. Um, he had the one catch uh, was a game two or three in the back of the end zone that he went up and got. Um, when he when of, he mossed him, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, the guy has done absolutely nothing. He had the block in the back that called back uh, Wandell's long run to set up a touchdown for us against Minnesota to turn the game fourteen seven. Um, had a block in the back that had nothing to do with the play at, at all. Had the uh, fumble this last week to uh, you know basically uh, seal the game for Indiana. Um, but he's still on the field. And then you see guys like uh, Miles Jones transfer. Well, I'd be transferring too if I'm seeing guys out there that are clearly fucking up left and right and not getting pulled. It's like, I, I don't understand Frost's mindset of, you know, just, you know, the Damon Benning said, you know, either you're pro- promoting it or you're permitting it. You're either promoting yeah. fucking up or you're permitting it. It's one or the other. You, you know, you're going to complain about the guys being out uh, warming up and hoodies and shit. Well, guess what? You're the coach. You can tell them, take your fucking hoodies off. I mean, it's simple. I mean, yeah. How are you going to see and watch your team do something and not say anything and then go complain about them in the media about it? I mean, quick, man, take some response. Those are, that's your team. Those are your players. You make the rules. You decide who plays. So give me a break, Scott. I mean, take some accountability of, you know, of your team because we're paying you $5 a year. And right now we're not getting much of a return on our investment. So it's not great. We need more accountability from the coach and the coaching staff. And that's, that's my spiel. Now I'll get off my high horse <laughs> on it, but the guy's infuriating. And um, I know 
I know some of Husker Nation uh, is, is with me, but uh, unfortunately, I'm starting to lose a little faith in Scott. Um, how do you guys feel about Scott Frost? We're 20 games in. He's 8-12 and 12 in 20 games. How are you guys feeling about Scott Frost's tenure so far? I, I still think he's our guy. I uh, am 100% behind him. I'm glad that we got him because, you know, it's it means something to him. You know, we're going – we can go back to – to the opening segment where you know, we heard him speak and, you know, that's not, that's not, it's not Mike Riley, you know, fluffing, fluffing the pillow of the situation and saying, right. Oh, well, our kids are fighting hard and, right. you know, they're going to give it everything they got. Everybody no, gets juice boxes after the game. Yep. And we're going to get some ice cream and we're just going to go out and have a great time. Right. No, it's no, he, he clearly was upset. I mean, he had a little quiver in his voice. Same with Shenander on Tuesday when they interviewed him. I, you know, it's it's a tough business. I get it. You know, it, it's it's shit or get off the pot, really, as a coach. And you know, I I I still even believe in him because I I've I've seen what his defense can do at, at UCF. But you know, it's 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 frustrating. But I I still like where we're at. You know, as far as a as a coaching staff. I and I hate to sound cliche here, but I'm hoping that you know the things we're seeing out of the guys like McCaffrey and Wandale and and Garrett Nelson. I ho- I'm hoping there's more to come there with with the type of culture that we're trying to create because i heard something about you know the fact that k-state beat oklahoma this last weekend yep. and, uh, and oh well you know if k-state can you know win big games like that why can't nebraska well guess what bill snyder was there for like 100 years right. you know the the coach that's at k-state right now he took over a good culture right this this culture has been going down the toilet for 20 years now ever since we fired uh frank solich right and you know, here we are. I think I feel like I really believe that we have the right guys in place here, and I feel like you know it's it's just a matter of time. And I hate to say let's just be patient because I'm not patient. Yep. Being patient and accepting this is just accepting mediocrity, and I'm not I'm not about that. But I mean, we're kind of at at the end of the road here, and if this doesn't work, what does? Yeah, Drew, what uh, what do you think about 20 games into Scott Frost's tenure here? Well, I think uh, honestly, I'm still. Uh, staying patient, staying behind Scott Frost. It's tough at times, and at times I lost a little faith also. But we got to give him his due time. The program was horrible when he inherited it. The culture was not very good. Um, and, I, you know, whether – I still think he's the right man for the job, the best man for the job. He's from Nebraska, played for Nebraska, had success in the NFL, played multiple positions. I think that maybe you're either going to have to change from your coaches, other coaches or coaching philosophies or schemes or whatever you're running. You know, I have to adjust that over time. But I still, uh, you know, it's just the it's just the growing pains, you know. It's yep. like it's not apples to apples. You can't say like the UCF and the AAC and just do exactly what you did there and do that at the Big Ten because that's what we do. I mean, it's not apples to apples. I don't think the three four is a good defense for us, to be honest. You know. Yeah. You gotta ha- you gotta have some uh, good bookend outside linebackers to run the three four like Wisconsin does. Like, you can get more out of a four three like a D lineman in the four three. They don't have to be as good and as skilled and as freaks of nature and still get a lot of impact. Whereas in the three four. You gotta have some monsters out there. Yeah, um, you know, for me, it's. Um, I just hope Frost. I, you know, I want to give the guy his time um, because it, history has shown that uh, firing coaches uh, two to three years, four years in, that uh, it, it doesn't work here. Um, it's worked other places, I, I know, but uh, we tried that route, and you know, whether I'm bitching and moaning about Frost or not, um, you know, I want to see what he can do. Give him his time and see, because I mean. We've shown that uh, it can get it can't get much worse. So it's mm-hmm. um, you know we've missed the bowl game two years in a row, and uh, right now we're looking down the barrel of a third year um, if we don't get our act together. So um, you know it, it is tough to see uh, guys like Les Miles going to Kansas and uh, turn that program around in half a season. Um, you know I just hope Frost isn't uh, too stubborn to make staff a ch- changes if needed. I mean. Um, Les Miles went in there and, uh, you know, fired, uh, I think his offensive coordinator three games into the season. So it's just, um, I like loyalty, but, uh, you can only be loyal to a point. And, um, I hope he's not stubborn with his coaching staff. And if, uh, it comes time to make a uh, staff adjustments, uh, I hope he will. But, uh, right now it's time to keep status quo. Like you said, the defense right now, they're playing under their fourth defense coordinator, like Mo Berry. Mo Berry's under his fourth defense coordinator here. So. And fifth and fifth linebacker coach. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, we need <laughs> some consistency. And, um, you know, I'm ready to uh, go ahead and ride this out for the long haul, obviously. Yep. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I want to see, I want to see some progression. Um, and I think, you know, we need to be all in this season for getting to a bowl game and really we need to be all in for winning this next game at Purdue. So it's a, it's a one game, it's a one game season at this point. It yes. Is. So it's uh, all focus on Purdue, seeing what we can do to beat Purdue, a team that is two and six and uh, has suffered more injuries uh, to the star players than any other team in the conference. So I've, um, I've never seen, I've never seen an injury report like theirs right now. I looked at it and, Wow. So <laughs> I mean, don't, don't let like their, a full roster. Don't let them have their get right game against us. Um, right. And they played Iowa tough. They only lost by six to Iowa. I mean, they've, and they played Minnesota way earlier in the season, but they played yep. a couple teams that probably are going to beat us or have beat us. Yeah. They played them tough. So it's not, not to be overlooked this game. Um, you know, um, just getting back to, we got Martinez, uh, you know, came out yesterday and said uh, he's healthy and he's ready to go. He's um, God, it hasn't seemed like that long, but he's been out a month. Um mm-hmm. So I think I think as well as our backup quarterbacks have played, um, I think Martinez is still the guy. I think he does more things better than the other guys. I think the other guys do um, a couple things really good, really well, and I think they do a couple things average. But I think our best overall bet is Martinez. You got? Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, they yeah, sure I, as hell I, a lot better than Bunch was last year. So. Yeah. Um, along with the Martinez thing, it's just another thing that I was thinking of. Um, you know, we've got that Logan Smothers kid coming in here from Alabama. Um, he's that's, dude, he's that's fast. committed to us as uh, um, going to be an uh, early enrollee in January. Um, one, why the hell is he coming here? Um, two, <laughs> is there a chance of maybe a Q- QB controversy coming into spring? I mean, you got Vedril as a sophomore, uh, Martinez as a sophomore, and Caffrey as a freshman. And then you got a Smothers coming in here as a highly touted freshman. So we got four dudes all within, you know, uh, two classes of each other that uh, um, all want the ball and all have shown that the, that they can play outside of obviously the Smothers kid that's still in high school. But um, what do you think about the QB position going forward and could it potentially be an issue? No, I don't think so. I think it's really good. I think having competition in a, in a you know, quarterback room or whatever position room is, yeah. is a really positive thing. And, you know, we, we've never seen depth – like this no. at the quarterback position at Nebraska going back to the, the heydays when, you know, the Terminator came in and won, a, won us a game. But <laughs> this, I mean, there was, I mean, literally, uh, I mean, essentially no skill drop off from one guy to the next oh. in this whole process. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we may have a different tone on this had we won uh, against Indiana, but I think right. that, I think that, you know, we'll see Smothers maybe for, you know, a year or two, and depending on how things go, he, he'll most likely be a guy that might transfer. He's yeah. coming from the state of Alabama. You know, I'm sure he has tons of – he's got tons of his teammates and peers in, in whatever town he's from getting, you know, big-time looks and big-time offers. And, you know, yeah, unfortunately, time, time will tell. Unfortunately, I, you know, if, if I'm putting myself in his shoes or – I don't know, his parents' shoes or whatever. I just – I'm not seeing a reason to uh, why I'm coming to Nebraska. I mean, the, yeah. you've got uh, Martinez, a sophomore. Especially sophomore, McCaffrey. And now you've got uh, McCaffrey here that's uh, – he's actually going to be redshirting. So, you're going to be yeah. in the same class as him. So, it's uh, – you know, the, it looks like a logjam at the quarterback position, especially with underclassmen. So, um, I – you know, obviously, we want as much talent as we can get. And I hope he does come and play it out. But, uh, you know, the – day and age we're in these days that uh one one of those guys ain't going to be graduating from the university of nebraska i'll mm-hmm. I, I will go ahead and guarantee you that but oh, um let's just look ahead to saturday um you know like you said it's one game seasons from here on out um we do have another bye week after this purdue game um martinez is back what do you guys expect to see out of nebraska what kind of outcome nebraska somehow is coming in as a uh, three-point favorite um what do you guys see him from this game on saturday well, are we going to see Rondale Moore? It's, it doesn't sound like it. It's a question mark. I would expect to see a very similar game plan from for, from Purdue that we saw from Indiana, just a pass-heavy offense because Purdue is ranked 129th in rushing offense, only yep. ahead of Akron right now. Oh. I mean, that's terrible. But so you're saying they can't run the ball? But yeah, I am saying that. But um, here, uh, here, here's a positive stat that we can, you know put under our pillow and hope for the best with uh, since 2016, Nebraska wins 80% of their games as an away favorite. 
Purdue wins 27% of their games as a home dog. So you're saying the numbers are in her favor. Finally, <laughs> yes. That's good because Frost is a 1-7 on the road at his tenure at Nebraska thus far. At least yes. it's not 0-8. And, and, uh, and we are 1-7 uh, against the spread this year. So um, <laughs> something's so, got to give. Something's got to give. Drew, what do, you, what do you expect to see Saturday from Nebraska and overall with the game? Yeah, well, I just hope offensively that uh, we kind of keep the trend going with a real smooth, up-tempo offense, crisp plays, good schemes. I mean, we got to keep. We did it last week. We get. We can do it again. We need to do that to put ourselves in a position to win. And then I'm looking for our defense to step up and stop some teams, stop them on third and fourth down when we need it, and just play some football. We got them yeah. this game. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I think uh, just seeing that interview with Martinez. I mean. A guy just looked like he had the fire in his eyes um, and was ready to get back on the field. You know, just kind of the, oh, you guys thought that, you know, these backups could replace me. And, you know, they came in and do their thing. And that kind of makes you want to get back out there and, you know, make remind people of uh, who you are and what you're capable of. So I just like the way he was looking and sounding in the interview. And I think that uh, Martinez comes out there and picks up where this offense left off. And uh, we come out there and, you know, put up some points. And then defense-wise, I think that um, – you know, after all the chatter and kind of seeing uh, the tape, I think that Shenander comes out, and I think we're going to see a lot of blitzing. Um, yep, so, I would agree. I so hope so. I'm hoping the defense comes out, creates some turnovers, gets some sacks, and, you know, I'm liking Nebraska to win by uh, double digits. Uh, you know, Whoa. I'm liking to cover, come in and cover. Um, you know, I'm thinking Nebraska, you know, somewhere in the 37 to uh, 37 to 20 range. Um I think that, uh, you know, Nebraska comes out and looks good, and uh, we see the old Adrian Martinez um, come out. So, did you, uh, what do you, you have your wife? Do you have your wife make, make you some Kool Aid tonight, or what? <laughs> you know, I just, you know, if we would have recorded this on Sunday, I would have went, I would have went sports <laughs> if it's like from the previous game. I get, I get more bought back in, like, well, you know, we can get right, man. Maybe seven games, seven wins isn't out of the question. It's so. It's it's good that we give a couple of days in between the games because if we had did this Sunday, I mean, I would have just been like fire frost, burn the whole place down, can't cancel those facility upgrades. Like, yep. <laughs> so um, no, I, you know, I get a little bit more level headed as uh, as the week goes on. But uh, yeah, and uh, you know, sip a little Kool Aid. But um, yep. you know, Purdue Purdue is a you know a lonely team, and they're two and six. Um, and I just thought it was encouraging the way the offense looked on Saturday. So, um, it was the first time since the second half of the Illinois game where the offense, uh, looked good. So I expect, uh, to see that pick up and get us to five wins with three games to go. Just need one to get to bowl eligibility. And, um, that's, that's what the goal is for the season, you know? So, um, what do you guys think as far as gambling wise in the game, what lines are you seeing that you like on it? Uh, I like the overs. I think, you know, based on our what, 57, uh, you know, I, I looked yesterday as 55 and a half. I'm just going to roll with that line, but uh, yep. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think our offense, uh, should keep humming. And then, you know, our defense, um, you know, they, they'll give up points like they always do. And, you know, it's, it might be a little bit higher scoring than, than we would like, but, um, I, I would, I would take the overs cause I'm done taking the Huskers on the money line or on the right. spread. <laughs> Drew, I'm gonna. Uh, I agree with Zach. I think we're gonna put up a lot of points, um, but I'm gonna dip my toe back in the water. And I like Nebraska minus three. I think we're gonna get it done. I think we're gonna be able to execute and stop them. They might give us a little trouble here and there, but I think we're gonna win by more than a field goal. Perfect. So we're. Uh, we're what about you? I like I said. I like Nebraska minus three. Um, oh, okay. You know so. I uh, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but uh, I've been pretty good on the uh, picking the uh, gambling lines of the Nebraska games. <laughs> so um, better than me, yeah. So I hope that trend <laughs> continues. And um, you know, just it, it, there's one thing to lose, but there's another thing to lose going into a bye week where you got to let it sit for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I don't know if I can handle. I don't know if the state can handle. Uh, you know, coming into a, a two weeks of uh, coming off a Nebraska loss, so. Um, I hope they come out and do their thing and, you know, Frost gets his ship ready because, you know, at the end of the day, if we make a bowl game, um, that's going to be progress from what we saw last season. So we can we still get to... to nine wins this year. Yeah. I mean, and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it, yes. 
Yes, we could. Yes, I mean, mine spiked. So, um, it's uh, you know, let's just get to six wins and get to a bowl game and uh, go from there. But uh, it all starts on Saturday. Um, any uh, final words from you guys? Just get the W. Yep. Zach? Um, Nebraska ball started tonight. And so that's, that's been a breath of fresh air so far. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, they were kind of battling it out with Doan early in the game. So <laughs> fucking, uh, it's going to be a long winter did, uh, here I, in Nebraska. We, one thing we didn't mention, I thought it was really funny. I was listening to a podcast earlier and we didn't mention the, all of the, um, the quote unquote injuries from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was listening to a podcast and one of them, one of the guys was like, uh, you know, happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, tomorrow I'll be going as, um, an Indiana trainer running onto the field for an injured player. <laughs> I saw a lot of that on Saturday. It was just, I mean, the one guy, I think, I think number 47, the uh, linebacker, um, he looked, he looked like, um, I think he had a, he was trying to play. And so he went down three times, and then by the end of the game, he was on the sidelines and street clothes, and then it came out that he's out for the season. So that was legitimate, but um, yeah, I rewatched the game, and like you know, when I first saw the play, and I saw the guy down. I'm like, come on! And I rewound yeah. him, like, yeah, yeah, nope, he definitely got his leg cut out. At, uh, yeah. he's no, but there was one clip where like the guy was in the middle of the field. Oh and yeah, we were about to snap yeah. it. And he just. He just got like sniped from the fifth row or something. Yeah. Like, out of the fifteen yeah. injury uh, injuries, about four of them were legitimate. So yeah, yeah. I just said some of them were legit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, no, it's um, you know it's all in for Saturday. Get the win and get to the bye week. So go big red and uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.